0: going to go ahead and get going um, back into our series in the book of Exodus. And so you have um, your bulletin. You can follow along with the notes, but let me get you kind of caught up as to where we have been. And um, throughout throughout the first several weeks, we're in our sixth week going through the book of Exodus. So we're doing that this summer. We're going fairly quickly, but I just want to kind of remind you of where we've been and then we'll start here in a moment. Um, uh, in chapter 15. But uh, the book of Exodus is the the Old Testament story of salvation. It is God's real uh, picture of beginning something through the nation of Israel that ultimately comes to its conclusion through the person of Jesus Christ. But this is This is the beginning of that. This is the foundation of that. And this is the big picture of what God is doing in the world. And all the things that the nation of Israel goes through is in a way a type of what we have to go through as we go through our journey from slavery to freedom. Because all of us are enslaved in sin and are hopeless without God's forgiveness, without uh, without God setting us free. And so last week, we talked about kind of that culmination event that led to the Israelites finally being free. They went through all of the slavery, all of the persecution, all of the difficulty for 400 years. There was the plagues that came to the Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And time after time, they would not relent and would not let the Israelites go. And then finally... The final plague of the Passover, where um, uh, allowed the Israelites to leave Egypt, but last week, like we talked about, they were uh, trapped in right up against the Red Sea, and God miraculously had them walk through <laughs> on dry ground to freedom, and the Egyptians were wiped out. It was the the big event. The big moment where sin was defeated and the Israelites are free and there we go. They threw a little party and sang a song and it was a great moment. So it seems as though, and maybe you've had moments like this in your life, that that moment is like the pinnacle and everything else from that point forward it's easy. You just came from 400 years of slavery. You just saw God work in miraculous ways, time after time after time. You saw like sin and you saw evil defeated, and you are like all set, right? But like the story doesn't end there. And if you want to put yourself in this, those experiences, I can look back at some moments in my life as well where I can relate to kind of this moment in time. It's kind of the moment in time like after uh, something miraculous happened in your life, then it comes back to kind of reality. There is that salvation big moment that changes everything that maybe is the foundation of our faith, but then real life still exists and you're still dealing with the real struggles of everyday life. And that's where we kind of pick up our story today. I remember uh, every summer as a kid, I would go to youth camp, Um, and my son is going to youth camp uh, uh, for the second time this summer as well, and it's one of those moments that sometimes it's like everybody there is excited, they have the best music, they have the best speakers, everybody gets pumped up, they have like the moment where they call everybody up front, and you get up there and you go up front, and uh, and you're emotional, and you're like, Okay, from this point forward, I'm going to be the best follower of Christ that the world has ever seen. It's going to be the best. And I remember even one year getting picked up from camp, and my father was a pastor. But I remember getting picked up from camp, and he was just kind of like, Huh? How's it going? Everyday life. Pick me up, and I'm like, You don't get it. You don't get it. Everything is different. Because now I am going to be the greatest follower of Christ that the world has ever seen. You don't get it. You guys are just old and you just don't, you don't get it. You don't get the passion that I have. You don't get that everything has changed. You weren't there singing the songs with us. And we're like, we're, oh, it's, it's just amazing. And then you go back and your parents are like, Hey, you got to clean up your room. You got stuff to unpack. And so you're like, no, you don't get it. You don't get it. And, you know, sometimes we have those moments where it's like, maybe it's the Easter Sunday. Maybe it's like this moment where it's a life changing thing that happens in your life. And then you just, you bump into people and you go along your life and it's like, life kind of, it's kind of like the same again. And there's all these challenges still. And the reality sinks in and it's so interesting how the israelites fall into this pattern and it'd be it'd be easy for us to look back at them and criticize them um, for what we are going to read here in a moment but you have to realize we do this too we have our high moments and then we have our moments of doubt that sometimes immediately follow And so this is what the nation, where the nation of Israel is, is that they have come through this miraculous moment in time, but now real life emerges. So Exodus chapter 15 and um, in verse 22, uh, it says this, then Moses led the Israelites from the Red Sea. They went into the desert of Shur for three days. They traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Moriah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That's why the, the place is called Moriah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Okay. Um, I'm going to skip along. We're going to cover all the, uh, a couple of chapters. So. There's four stories in succession of God doing miraculous things to remind the people that, yes, it's okay to trust in God. But um, this is kind of the pattern every time is like in verse 24, a little trouble comes up, water in a desert, that's a pretty big trouble. But, but a trouble comes up and immediately they grumble. Um, Moses, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. So that's the first, uh, first event. They needed water. The water was bitter. I don't know what the pH levels or whatever was in the water. But miraculously, a piece of wood uh, made the water better. So maybe you should try that at home. But... That is a miraculous thing. God has continuously, time and time again, whenever there was a need, showed up in a miraculous way for the nation of Israel. Then, following up in chapter 16, verse 2, it says this. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought it out into the desert to starve uh, this entire assembly to death. So first it was water. Now it's food. Those are legitimate concerns, but they seem to have the same pattern over and over. It says this. Then the Lord says, I will rain down from heaven for you. The people, people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see if they will follow my instructions. And then in verse 12, it says, "I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God." Great. God solves their water problem. Their bad water problem. They they they're like, "Okay, we're out, we're all good. We need some water." God solves that problem. Oh, now we're hungry. We should have gone back to Egypt. God solves their food problem, miraculously sending them manna, this substance that is like a bread like sweet substance that like takes care of all of their needs. They wake up <clears throat> excuse me, they wake up every morning and it's like on the ground, they gather it up, that God says, Take just what is enough for your one day, and it will take care of your family. And then the next day, go out and get more. You're not going to need to save it up because every day I will provide your daily bread. You will get exactly what you need. And then on the Sabbath, because I want you to rest and honor the Sabbath, uh, collect the day before double and and you will have enough for the Sabbath day. And if you follow these instructions every day, don't worry. I will take care of your needs. You will have bread to eat, and you will have, uh, you have meat to eat from the quail, the bird that, that, that they would catch as well. And, and they're like, all right, we got our water. We got our food. But then the pattern continues. Flip to chapter 17, verse 1. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded You guys know me in pronouncing places and names. Um, That's uh, I shouldn't have done the Book of Exodus because I have to pronounce all these things. Um, They camped at. Who wants to help me? Thank you. All right, we'll go with that. Um, But there was no water for the people to drink, so they quarreled with Moses and said, "Give us water to drink." Moses replied, "Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test?" But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, "Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst?" A little dramatic, right? Then Moses cried out to the Lord. "What am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me." The Lord answers Moses, "Go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go." I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Manasseh and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord uh, among us or not? So third one, water again. And I get the need. I get the moment. But Moses is getting exasperated. And he's saying, like, what in the world am I going to do? How do I answer the people's questions? And uh, they again get this miraculous sign of water. A fourth occurrence, all in succession, um, in verse 8. They're facing another conflict, this time um, from Uh, An opposing uh, enemy, the Amicalites, came and attacked the Israelites. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men to go out and fight the Amicalites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of our hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amicalites as Moses had ordered. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amicalites were winning. Then when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other. So his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amicalite's army with the sword. So one, two, three, four, in succession, all of these stories, right after the people get to the point where they are free— They're they're in this place where they're uncertain about what's going to happen next. And I think there's a very purposeful reason that God in succession gives them these over and over and over the same lesson, the same thing. Because, Because, you know, it's interesting when you think about kind of the relationship between like a parent and a child. Is that early on in that relationship, a child is completely and totally helpless, right? A child is completely and totally helpless. And an infant child, all they can do is scream out and cry whenever there's something that is off. I need to be changed. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I'm tired. And uh, mothers and fathers have to figure out these screams and try to comfort them. And over time, uh, there's a trust that is built up and there's an ability for that, that child to rely on it. And that's appropriate at that point in time that, that we realize and begin to learn that we can trust in our parents. We can trust that our parents are going to take care of our, our everyday needs. We can trust that we're going to be okay, that we're going to survive. And that's kind of the place that the Israelites are at right now. It's right after the big salvation moment, and there's not a ton of trust built up, and they're worried, and they're concerned, and there's lots of things in life where they're like, I'm not quite sure if this is going to work out well for me. Maybe it would be better if I went back and I was enslaved again. Maybe it would be better if I went back to my old ways of living and went back to that. Because you know what? At least I had something to eat. and At least I was more comfortable with that. And sometimes we have kind of these thoughts. But God shows them in succession over and over. He says, I will take care of you. You will have everything that you need. And that is one of the hardest lessons for us to grasp. That's one of the hardest things in our spiritual journey growing up is for us to get past that point where we we trust and we believe that God will give us everything that we need. Because we look around and we get hungry and we get thirsty and it gets panicky and we scream out and we're like, what is going on, God, in my world? But this is one of the first lessons that he teaches the people. And let me go back to the beginning of this succession of stories. And I want you to, to, to read through with me. In chapter 15, verse 26. This is what Moses instructs people. And this is kind of right before all of these four stories. That it's the same theme. God providing his needs. This is the message that he gives. It says this. If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So so check the words and this is really important. And you know, when God speaks, we should always pay attention to what God says, but here there's even extra emphasis. See how it starts he says Listen carefully. It's almost, it feels like a parenting moment, doesn't it? It feels like that parenting moment for kids. Okay, listen, focus your attention. I've had many of those moments with my kids where it's like, I'm trying to tell them something, they're running around, they're like, yeah, whatever, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 stop. Listen very carefully to this right now. I have something critical that you need to understand. And he says, if. If um, you do what is right in God's eyes, pay attention to his commands, keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Let's dig into that a little bit. is, Is What he's saying is that you will not be inflicted with all of the consequences of sin that you just saw inflicted on the nation of Egypt. You will not face all of the other things That people will ultimately face if they don't repent of and deal with their sins. The Egyptians we saw time and time again had opportunity to respond and repent and and do the right thing. And they kept digging in their heels over and over and over and not listening to God. God gave them time and time and time again. If you remember from the past few weeks when we looked at that. And they said, no, no, God, we're not listening. No, God, we're not going to trust. No, we're not going to let these people go. And the picture that the Israelites have is if you follow that pattern, the pattern that the Egyptians did, it ultimately will lead to your demise and to your death. There is no good end road for people who continue to disobey God Don't repent, don't relent, and just continue to live their life and ignore God's commands and wishes. It will ultimately lead to your demise. It will ultimately lead to all of the things you just saw. You saw the Egyptians washed away by the sea. You saw death and destruction that took place as a result of them not listening to God. And ultimately, if you continue down that path, that is what will happen to you as well. But if you trust me, if you follow me, it will be different. And so this is this, is this test. This is the moment that the Israelites have to walk into a moment of, of, of trusting, of believing what God says is ultimately going to be the best for them. Do they believe that God will take care of all of the things that they need? I think in all of our lives, we have to face this very test, and it's an early on test that each and every one of us has to deal with at some point in time, is maybe we've come to a point where we say, okay, God, I believe in you. God, you did something in my life. But the first thing we have to face is, will we continue to say, I'm going to walk in your path instead of another? Will I walk in your direction or instead of another? And the things we look back on is we're we like, we're like well, if, if God, I follow your path, uh, I'm kind of worried about maybe some of my finances. I'm worried about some of these details. I'm worried about, you know, I, I really would prefer to focus my attention, efforts, and energy towards like my career advancement. And God's like, I will take care of all of your needs. Do you trust that the way that I want you to live your life is going to be enough. Do you trust that? And then we have to face like these moral dilemmas. These things that have been a part of our life. That we were like, you know what? Um, we have to be confronted with the fact that God says, that's not going to help you in your life. And, and we struggle with these things. We're like, well, everything around me, all the things I see around me in my world. It's like, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. I don't know, God, if I should follow your, your will in these different ways and what kind of follows next in our story is the 10 commandments and different moral commands where God's saying, this is how you need to live your life. And sometimes we're kind of wishy-washy on it a little bit. We're like, I like the salvation story. I like the forgiveness part, but following your commands and your rules, do I really have to like, like really do you trust Do you trust that if you follow God's way, he will take care of you? Do you trust that God is enough? Do you trust that God's a way that it's put in the New Testament? My grace is sufficient for you. That God's grace, what God has given you, is enough for you. But instead, what they do over and over, and what I do over and over, and what you've probably done over and over in your life, is we continually want to go back to that moment where we're like, "I need control of this situation. It's not enough. It's I, I have problems in my life. I have all these different situations, and God, I'm not quite sure if you're going to take care of me." And we cry out again. And so it's a really difficult part of the human condition. That over and over and over, we kind of have almost this crying baby relationship with God where as soon as something gets a little difficult, a little complicated, a little challenging in our life, is we feel like the ground beneath us is shaky. We feel like we're not going to make it. And it's easy to kind of run back to what we know before, how we survived before. And God is saying, listen, listen carefully, listen clearly to what I'm saying to you. If you follow me, I'll take care of you. I'll provide for you. It'll be okay. You know, I I don't know why. This has to happen over and over. But my experience is it's kind of one of these things that we just almost have to experience on a regular basis. It's just part of where we're at is that we need to have these reminders that, you know what, it's going to be okay. There will be a day uh, in heaven where we don't have to deal with the struggles of finances, of physical limitations, of sin, of all these Consequences That we have to deal with There will be a day like that But we live in a time and an era Where we have to face The struggle and the difficulty of our life And that's what the Israelites faced Is you're going to get hungry You're going to get thirsty it's, You're going to have enemies attack you God is enough And that beautiful picture at the end kind of sums up the whole sequence of events where the enemies are attacking and God just says, have Moses raise his hands. And when his hands are up, you're going to win. And as soon as those hands go down, you're going to lose. Think about that in your life for a moment. You will face difficulty. You will face the reality of this world. You will face struggle in your family. You will face sickness. You will face death. This is part of the world that we're in. There is no doubt about that, and I'm not telling you anything new. But he says, keep your hands up. Keep your eyes up. Keep your focus up. And trust. And ultimately, you will be okay. Why is this such a hard lesson for us to just believe that? But the Israelites had to do it every single day, day after day. They would get up and get their bread for the day and then move on. You know, um, my friends, uh, Moises and all the – our friends over in our our, uh, Spanish service are uh, people who encouraged me so much. And I believe – very strongly that God put them in my life to help me learn this lesson. Is that, you know, we have, we have things in our church that sometimes don't go our way. You know, we have people that move away. We have things that we worry about with money. We have all these different things. But over the last several years, as I've helped with the Spanish group and kind of some of the, the things that they go through, God has showed me over and over What are you complaining about? My friends uh, over in our our other group deal with so many different things that are so much harder. And um, Moises was talking to me this week about um, some of the the churches that they're supporting in Mexico. That there are people who their day-to-day food and shelter is seriously in question. And not a wealthy group of people over here, you know, Moises and their congregation are are sending them money on a monthly basis to try to support them and help them out. And they're sacrificially giving, and they're living, you know, uh, below their means to you know just make sure that they can do whatever they can to help those people who are in need. And every about uh, every six months or so, there's maybe a pastor two that comes and like says. Please help us out. This is our needs. These are the struggles. These are the things that have gone on. This is the violence that we see all around us. These are the kids that are getting into violence and getting into these problems. Help us. We're trying to give them another way. We're trying to give them another path. It's a life and death situation in many of the places in Mexico, Mexico City, all around there that Moises and his dad and family work with. And time and time again, God has shown up in my life and spoke to me through them. Where I was looking around at my life and thinking about the struggles or difficulties or, or what am I going to do next. And then I went to the Spanish service with people praising God so much. They do so much better job with their singing than we do. I mean, they sing. They sing. Um, and praising God and hearing the stories and the struggle and the strife and the difficulty. And them saying, God is good and he will provide. And there's something that you, we need to realize. And something that is a hard lesson and something that's hard to hear in our culture and our world, that we, my friends, have so much more than what we need. And it is really distasteful when you read through the story of the Israelites, when you see miraculous things happen, miraculous things take place for them to be provided for, and they respond with quarreling and complaints. And when we do that, how distasteful is that? People in our culture and our world that have more than anybody else in the history of the world. We have freedom and we have all kinds of things at our disposal. And there's moments in time where we look at God and say, God, it's not enough. We have to be very careful and cautious of that. It is enough. God has given you what you need my grace is sufficient for you and so in our culture and in our world where it's easy to you know like go to the grocery store and I don't know if if you're like me but there's times where I'm throwing out excess food because I you know I don't need all of the food that I have for us to look at God and say it's not enough it's a hard lesson that the Israelites had to go through to learn God will provide. And I think in our world and culture, sometimes we're stunted or we never go beyond that kind of immature phase in our Christian walk where we're, we're just crying out whenever something goes wrong. Because maybe we haven't learned that lesson clearly enough that God will provide. All of our needs. That what God gives is enough. Now don't misunderstand me. This does not mean that there may, you know, that there will not be times where you don't literally have enough money. There, that may happen. There may be times where physically you are not right. There may be times that there are circumstances and struggles that are beyond your control and bigger than you. But what God is saying, ultimately, remember, the picture of the nation of Israel is our picture towards freedom, is that it will be enough. You will have salvation. You can be saved. You can be forgiven. You can have eternal life. You can have it all. I am offering it all to you. But you have to trust That going back is not the answer. You have to trust that every day I'm going to meet that need. You have to trust. And so, man, I think we would probably learn the lesson if we, like every single day, had to wake up and every day figure out what's the meal for today. But that's not what we have to do in our world. We typically have it kind of easy and it's harder to get this lesson through to us. And so all the more, it's important for us to make sure, first of all, that there is gratitude that is a part of our daily life. That every day we are saying thank you. We are thanking God and being filled with joy. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit that the Scripture talks about. It says, you know, if you really have God in your life, one of the ways that that will be expressed and demonstrated is that you will be filled with joy. That there will be like a joyfulness inside of you. There will be some energy and excitement and like just joy that is a part of you. Because you understand that God will provide. God will take care of my needs. God has forgiven me. God has saved me. I should be filled with joy. And if we're struggling with that and if there's moments in time where we're we're just really down and we can't you know move forward. I think we really need to like rethink some of these lessons that the Israelites were learning and were taught and go back to the simple basics and say thank you for the simplest things that we have. How would it change our lives if every day we started with kind of that gratitude moment? We started with the thankfulness. We started with that in mind instead of all of the other things. And so I think there needs to be some kind of pattern, something in our life that teaches us this lesson. Because quite frankly, we don't get this lesson like other people do around the world. We don't get this lesson like the Israelites do. In the scripture, and here's another principle that you can establish in your life to to remember this, is there's principles of fasting. So in the scripture, the, the, the Bible talks about with withholding some things in your life for seasons of time to do a couple of things. Focus your energies on God and also be grateful for the things that you have. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says, give thanks for your daily bread, the daily provisions that you have. And if we're, you're never in want, it's sometimes hard to be thankful for the things that you have. And so this is a principle that is very odd and unusual, but it's something in Scripture that is given to us that says there should be seasons of time in your life where you purposely choose to like, withhold some things in your life for you so that you can reflect on that and you can remember that. Like you can s- skip a meal every now and then to remember and be thankful for the food that you have on a regular basis and be grateful. Another way that I think that the scripture gives us a picture of things to help us remember what we really what really is important is is giving. Is it give to others. Be generous. Give to the church. If there's other people in need, give to them. So that you remember and reflect on all the good things that God has given you and if we forget and giving is not a part of our lives, we get stale. And we start to like focus in on ourselves and we forget about all the blessings that we have. These are disciplines and they're hard things that in some ways we have to voluntarily do in order to kind of stave off this this temptation that we all have to just cry out every time something goes wrong. We have to have these principles in our life. This is the first lesson that God gives the nation of Israel as they are free people, is that they will continually, year after year, time after time, day after day, there'll be moments in time where they have a great need and they're going to have to trust God. And they're going to have to trust that it's going to be okay. Will you pray with me? God, help us in our world as we are so often... Just like these Israelites, who, as soon as something goes wrong, as soon as it's difficult, as soon as there's a challenge in our life, we all of a sudden are complaining and our faith is shaken or it's difficult. God, you have saved us, you have forgiven us, you have done the miraculous. God, help us to be thankful. Help us to to be grateful. Help us to remember those things in our life and be filled with joy overflowing every day. God, help us because this is a struggle. God, daily I I, I pray that we would reflect on all the things that you have provided. The grace that you've given us. The provision that you provide. God, build this lesson within us. Help us to learn it. Help us to grow. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.